The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. And welcome to Voices of Unity. I am Rev. Ellen Debenport and here with my co-host for this Pride series, the Rev. Jackie Fernandez. I've really been looking to this show mainly because Jackie's producing it. Jackie has gathered some musicians that she thought you would like to hear from. You'll hear some music in the first half. We'll probably talk a lot. So, Jackie, as we get started today, this is the last of our Pride series. What What is your interest in music? Here's what I know. You play bass, you play sax, you have a band, and your dad is a guitar player. That's right, yes. You know, my great-grandmother was a famous opera singer in Germany, and uh, my grandmother was uh, also a singer. My grandpa met her in Germany. He was there for stationed uh, in the U.S. Navy, and he said, Blondie, I'm going to marry you. And they got married the next week in England. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I started playing sax at the age of 11, and I got my first paying gig at age 14, and, you know, so... Uh, music is an integral part of my life, and these three guests that we have with us are just, you know, lights in the world, and I have great connections with each of them. Kit and I are new, but uh, we have a mutual friend, so I hear a lot about Kit, and then to discover, Ellen, that you've worked with Kit for many years um, is just really fantastic. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce, we have Amy Steinberg, Kit Holmes, and John Laux. So Amy, you know, I pulled your bios Hi. from your website. And Amy's, yours is just, you know, riveting. So singular is the word that best describes Amy Steinberg, uplifting, enlightening, and hilarious. Very true. With a voice that can burn the house down, Amy is a singer, songwriter, and storyteller like none other. The main thrust of her work comes from marrying the sacred and profane, fusing the dreamlike nature of spirit with the rooted realness of sexuality and humor. Whew, let's take a deep breath. Yeah. Amy, you've got a new album out. Um, You have um, an award from the Posse Fest, which is amazing for burning into the high. Tell us, tell us here. There's a lot on the page. What's not on the page? Uh, That I'm going to be the lead minister of ritual at a church in in um, Asheville, North Carolina, coming up in September, which is just really the central focus of my life right now. it sort of came out of the blue. I was I was praying, God, show me what's next. Show me how to use me, use me, use me. Um, so the music is expanding into like literal ministry, where where it's sort of been a music ministry, and now it's going to be like ministry ministry. Um, I don't even know if I talked to you about this, Jackie, no. but it's uh, totally wild. I'm not ordained. Um, I was called, and I was like, you know, sometimes you ask God for a thing, and I mean, you know, it, it, it's an interesting conversation with, with our philosophy that, you know, God is inside of us, but it's also outside of us. It's also everything, right? So when I reach out to God and I say, show me something, God, 
my my new my new lesson is that God believes in me more than I believe in myself. So <laughs> show <laughs> me something, careful. God. Like those are dangerous <laughs> words. Yeah. <laughs> show me something, God. <laughs> Very dangerous. Yeah, show me something. Show me. Use me. And then God's like, okay, I've got a great idea. And the phone rings, and I'm like, could you call back another time? And uh, so it's been really crazy. That's what's been the central focus of my life. But when you talk about my uh, my bio, I think what's missing from there is kind of my history with theater and yeah. uh, one-woman shows and my background in, in musical theater and kind of that's how – um, I really discovered music writing was doing the musical hair many, many years ago and like learning that my voice was a little bit more suited for rock and roll and soul than it was for like, you know, wicked on Broadway. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, and you have so that, um, that's enough out of me probably. I'm yeah. Well, you have breaking the moon. You have an original musical. Right. And one of my favorite things that I've seen you do a couple of times is during a Sunday talk, you will sit and write a song and then get up and perform it and, and using words and ideas from the message just in the moment. It's like, so that really like feels like I'm on like the edge of creative yeah. expression when I'm oh, doing yeah. that. Cause I'm, I'm forced to really listen to the sermon in a way to, to quantify it and crystallize it. And when I get to do that, it's kind of like the uh, congregation. I don't know if, if you're like this when you're listening to a talk, but sometimes I kind of zone out. I'm like, wait, where were we? <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about? And so doing that rap or that talk or, or that song after, after a talk is, uh, is really cool because the, the community gets to hear the talk twice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in a different way. And I, I love that. I love being able to kind of have to really listen. It forces me with my little ADD attention span. Sure. Uh, attention divinely divided. Is <laughs> new, um, yeah. And you got to lock acronym. it down. You got to lock it down. That's great. Gotta lock it down. Yeah. All right. Kit Holmes is an Austin, Texas-based multi-instrumentalist, vocalist, and award-winning songwriter who has been performing, composing, arranging, and producing music professionally since age 13. Not very long then, yeah? <laughs> Her smooth and powerful jazz-infused adult contemporary songs have been scoring awards since she entered her first songwriting contest in 2004. Her latest CD, The Bridge, was a successful first-round entry in the 60th Annual Grammy Awards in eight categories. Come on, Kit. Her musical vocabulary is vast, eclectic, and always full of surprises, and she is a prolific writer and engaging performer. What's not on the page? Um, my, my call to, uh, to ministry. Um, I am back in, I say back in ministerial school. I started through Centers for Spiritual Living in 2015, and um, got three terms in, and, and was uh, there was a massively divine discontent that was happening at that point. And, uh, and just as Amy was talking about, you know, it's, uh, it was the, hey, God, show me, because I'm really not sure which direction to go here. And, um, and at that time, um, was, um, I had gone out to the Big Sky um, retreat um, over that happens every year over Labor Day weekend out in Big Sky, Montana. Mm -hmm. And uh, first first day of the retreat, you set the intentions for some you know th certain things you'd like to get out of the week and what you'd see. And number one was you know hey this ministerial school thing, um, yay or nay, give me a give me a thumbs up thumbs down or or whatever. And I got a yes but not now, and a very very clear yes but not now. So I stepped away. Um, that call came back. 
um, um, about about ten months ago in a in a very unmistakable way that said it's time to go do this, go finish it. So um, I started spring term. Um, summer term starts tomorrow, and um, I should be bona fide with my papers and uh, my uh, my rabies tag, I guess. In a, and I, as near as I can calculate, in about two and a half years. So I'm, um, I'm, and I'm really, I have to say, this time around, um, really enjoying it. The, it's, it's tough and it's consuming, but I am in such a different place. And so, um, my, the the ministry part is not on the on the official bio. I don't think on the website, but it is so melded to to everything that I do in music that um, it's it's kind of one and the same for me now. Awesome. Yes, I can see that. And I'm feeling that for Amy and for you. And so let's let's meet John Laux. John is a Kansas City singer songwriter who has been involved in the music scene since his early teenage years. He spent his formative years recording and traveling with his family, performing around the U.S. and Canada. His music has evolved over the years to reflect his own personal journey through life. His folk rock soulful music speaks of love, the deep pain of loss, his faith, as well as his healing journey. John, what's not on the page? <laughs> well, I literally lived in a van my whole uh, childhood, traveling with my family, and uh, got to um, got to travel and play in many different. Uh, different expressions of faith, different churches, everything from very fundamental churches, fundamentalist churches to Catholic charismatic uh, coffee houses and things through the 80s. And uh, yeah, and got to experience a lot. Um, Got to see a lot of different things. I think somebody used the word divine discontent. And I think probably the story for me, uh, musically and spiritually speaking, has been there's got to be something more than what I'm seeing here. And so um, I don't know how far you want me to go into the story, but uh, uh, I find myself now living in uh, uh, Lee Summit, Pennsylvania, and uh, I am uh, doing a record right now. First one. I Missouri. That's Missouri. Worked on <laughs> Missouri, right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing that and releasing some singles and uh, playing in my daughter's band and uh, just kind of enjoying music. I grew up in the ministry doing it, um, even doing a lot of worship leading. And I, at this point, uh, just enjoying writing about my life um, and letting what comes out comes out. Yes, you are. And Belle's band is amazing, your daughter Belle. Uh, you guys just played at Boulevardia this last weekend, and uh, I yeah. guess that was the weekend before. But anyway, I've seen the look on your face, the same look that I see when my dad sees me play. I've seen you, and, and you have the great joy of playing with Belle, so that's awesome. It's really wonderful to see the two of you on stage together. Let's yeah, hear some of your music. Yeah, let's hear some of your music. So, Amy, um, we're going to listen to your song, Get Up. And Kit will listen to Everyday Grateful, and John will listen to You Were Never Broken. And we're just going to get to hear a couple of minutes of each of these songs, and then, but um, in between. So we'll listen to Get Up, about two minutes of that. And then, Amy, I want you to talk about uh, the inspiration for this song. So let's roll that. Turned out 
All right, Amy. So tell us about your inspiration for this song. Oh, um, I think I'm always writing for myself. I'm always writing to motivate myself. Or I always say when I feel bad, I watch Netflix. When I feel really bad, I go to the piano. Um, (laughs) So that motivates me to write more than anything is sort of like this divine discontent, which seems to be a theme. And I think I had moved to San Diego and, you know, you think you're going to move to California, you're going to be struck thin and rich and famous (laughs) very quickly. And it kind of didn't happen when I moved out here. When I moved out here, I hit a a darker, a darker place. I think I came out to visit you soon after I moved out here. Yes. I think I remember that a couple of years ago. And I just sort of felt like I had this, I had to sort of rally. I had to reach in and rally. And that's what the song was about was like, and I also was inspired to write it, funny enough, inspired by, this is hilarious, the song Let It Go from Frozen. I was wondering why that song was such a massive, do you remember the massiveness of that hit? I think oh, it might yeah. have been like the last massive hit we experienced in this like last 10 years, yeah. where you heard it everywhere and everybody was singing it, every child was singing it. I was like, why is that? And it was because it was a, a rally. It was something you could sing to somebody else. It was something you could sing to yourself. It was something that um, I think annoyed all of us eventually. But um, it's that idea that music is supposed to inspire us and awaken us and excite us. And so that's what I was trying to go for here with Get Up. Beautiful. Your music is is just so riveting. And, you know, I... You know, I'm personally attached to your song exactly. And so, you know, we're not going to get through this without me bringing it up. Just just if now we're done talking about it and we can move on so that the listeners will go, Amy Steinberg, exactly, on YouTube. And, and then lives will be transformed and everyone will write to me and tell me how brilliant I am for naming that song on the air. So. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much. But I'm also loving your new music. And yes, I do know more of your songs than just the one. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to Kit's song, Everyday Grateful. Let's roll that. Every day, waking up grateful that I get another chance to say thank you. Taking the time to remind myself that I've got it so good And I've got to say, it's so good To be grateful every day The sun came up this morning and I could see it Sweet sunshine My heart still has a beat And I'm still breathing So far, so good Everything's turning out right Every day Waking up grateful that I get another chance to say Say it's so good to be grateful every day. 
All right, Kit, tell us about your inspiration for Everyday Grateful. Um, wow, I really had, um, while this was kind of coming to be, was a, um, I was deep into a, a regular gratitude practice. And um, I, I found that as, you know, as a, as a spiritual tool, not to just go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, there's something today and I'm happy about this and I'm grateful for it, was, was doing the actual writing, you know, making the lists and, um, and finding that as the place to get myself out of, um, you know, the... <laughs> The, the kind of the downward spiral or my, isn't my life awful kind of thing was let's get something, let's turn this around and go the other direction. And because I know the gratitude practice was so effective, this was, that was kind of the basis for this song, but really it was like the, the simplest, um, the, the line, you know, I, I woke up this morning and I was, my heart's still beating and I'm still breathing. Um, so far, so good. Everything's turning out. Okay. <laughs> um, that was really it is just is getting to the really basics of, um, you know, getting out of getting out of my own head and saying, Hey, yeah, I, I, I woke up this morning, my eyes open, you know, um, I, I like to say I'm upright and functional most days. Um, you know, when somebody says, how, how are you? I'll say I'm upright and functional, um, rather than going, Oh, my life is awful. That's the basis of this song is yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm alive that's number one right there. So everything after that's gravy. Um, <laughs> and, and I also chose this song for the show because, um, I, I just love the horn part. I love oh, the yeah. horn section. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh a, a great guy out of, uh, Texas state university, a professor down there, a saxophone player who, uh, who did those horn arrangements for me on the record and, um, it, it on the bridge, the CD called the bridge that came out in 2017 um, still really proud of that record, and, and and that just happens to be one of my every song's a favorite on that record. But um, Everyday Grateful is just that one. It gets gets me up and motivated when I'm kind of forgetting about things. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and inspire myself. <laughs> Love it, you know. And I think we find that so much too. The music that works for the writer is, is going to work for them for everyone else, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and and that's, that's most of my writing is you know really came out of really my own self-therapy of um, working through stuff and, and giving myself affirmations. And this was one of them. Yeah. Beautiful. And I have to jump in about the bridge, the CD Mm -hmm. that came out a couple of years ago. So the background is that Kit and I worked together at unity of Wimberley where I was the minister and she was the music minister. And so I know all her songs and love them all, but the bridge is just off the charts spectacular and oh, thank you. you know the church was supporting her all the time she was recording it and bringing in musicians for it but i want the listeners to go look up when you when you're mm-hmm. looking up amy's song called exactly mm-hmm. go listen to kit's version of let there be peace on earth yes. and keep oh, the oh, tissues yes. handy yes all right <laughs> thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you yeah thank you for that ellen um all right john let's play your song you were never broken Let's roll that.
John, tell us about this song and your inspiration for it. Well, I, I guess to, to begin, um, the last 10 years of my life have been really deconstructing. Uh, and I ended up at Unity four years ago and uh, really um, started evaluating my belief system. It was after the uh, death of my brother and then my son passed away. And I just started uh, questioning all the things that I was brought up believing. And uh, I ended up at Unity, and Unity was just a wonderful place to ask those questions and to sit in that, that space of not knowing. And uh, one, of, one of the issues throughout um, my life, even 20, 25 years ago, uh, has been the LGBTQ uh, folks. And I had a friend, gosh, back when... I was in the evangelical circles um, who was gay and he was my best friend. And I, and I couldn't, um, I couldn't understand why a loving God uh, would reject him and send him to hell for being who he was. Cause this person, even along the lines of, of what I believe showed me the love of Christ to put it in term language that I used to use um, more than anybody else did. And so in the last 10 years with going through loss in my life and, and, and deconstructing my faith and kind of in that place of not knowing, um, I think people were watching and felt safe uh, coming out to us. And my wife and I would have uh, young people uh, messaging us and coming over to our house and saying, hey, uh, I'm gay and I, I haven't told my parents yet. And I'm afraid to. And uh, we listened to their stories and, and just supported them. Um, and it just, you know, it kept getting closer and closer to home. It's, it's really easy to um, ignore a group of people if you don't have a relationship with them. But then when it gets closer to home and then when it's in your home, 
that's a different story. And, um, and so this song, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to write something from the perspective of a father singing to their kids, uh, you were never broken. And, uh, it's really to stand in that place where there's a lot of, a lot of people who didn't have parents that accepted them for being gay, who didn't have that support. Many were thrown out of their homes, um, or cut off, uh, relationally or financially and have lost a lot way more than I have. And uh, I just wanted to write something where I would, you know, stand in that gap and be that voice of a parent that maybe they didn't have. That's powerful. It's a powerful message. Thank you for writing that, John. Mm. And, um, and I'm thrilled. My team has been able to work with you in creating a music video, and we will be releasing that today. So you can look for that um, on Unity Facebook page. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yes. Just in time. I was just about to ask, John, where can we hear that? Where yes. can everybody hear it? Yes. Okay. So It is, it is on iTunes and on uh, all, the, all the places you can download music for free. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> awesome. So. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I'm hearing this, you know, thread of inspiration, um, and healing throughout each of you have shared that and the power of music in that. So I want to hear more about that, um, as we come back after the break. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Healing is the experience in our life of coming out of the darkness into the light, getting out of the confusion of human consciousness into the allness which is always present. But the allness of infinite life is present even within the illness. So God is not a healer. He doesn't look down upon you and say, well, you're sick, but you're a good person and I like you very much, so I'm going to take this illness away from you. God doesn't take illness away from anybody, nor does God put illness into anyone, which belies a lot of traditional religious thought, too. We talk about, well, suffered to be so, it's God's will, and I guess it's my place to accept it. The will of God must always be the ceaseless longing of the Creator to express itself in that which has created. So it's a constancy, it's a force which is ever seeking to press itself out into visibility as life, as wholeness, as success. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. 
If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Devonport. All right, so we're back from the break. And, you know, we just kind of, we heard from John's song and we heard some of your story, John, about what it was like to be in the evangelical circles and and just that impact, um, spiritually speaking, on the LGBTQ experience. And so, you know, let's talk about queer things. It's Pride Month. We're wrapping up Pride Month. And um, I'm really interested in hearing from each of you um, how you integrate yourself, your story, um, you know, in terms of your your own queerness or the experience of being present to people in a spiritual community um, as each of you are. Um, who are working through some of these um, experiences. Oh, okay, uh, this is Kit. I'll jump in. Um, my experience, and we, we just touched on it briefly in the break, was um, I, I came from a, tr- a very traditional Irish Catholic family. Um, I think my parents knew, I'm fair, you know, they knew fairly early on that not being different, but very different, Um and in a very subtle way, they they supported, but you know there was no discussion. There was no I had no language and no um, no role models, no nothing. I just you know even the word queer or gay or or fag or anything was uh, I, I just I could get the sense. It's almost like I could feel my mother like tensing up if she heard the word, but it was never explained. I just got the sense that there was something wrong with it, and. Um, so, you know, it was, it, it, I didn't, I came out when I was 21. Um, I mean, it, it sounds, I just didn't have the language. I knew I was different. I knew I didn't, I was not interested in boys, even though I tried. Um, but, you know, as a, as, as I moved through a very dark period in my twenties and thirties, you know, as a, as a full-time musician, but also trying to find my place um, in my sexuality, um, it was really the, the healing part came through, you know, therapy of, of coming out of some very deep depression and um, um, just trying to find my way out of it. And I, it was a moment of grace, really, it was uh, a particular day. Um, and I just, in this very, very dark place and heard this <laughs> unmistakable voice of God saying, you know, and I heard in my own voice saying, God would not have given me all of this talent to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, that was like the turning point because I had drifted away from any kind of uh, a spiritual practice. 
and um, and found my way back to a spiritual practice via a very astute, very intuitive therapist um, when I was in my um, mid-30s and um, just began to explore and find it was okay to explore other faith traditions and other spiritual spiritual practices. And so from a, from an artist perspective, when I, when I would write songs, when I really got into songwriting, initially um, all of my lyrics were gender neutral because I didn't want anybody at the time, you know, when I was in cover bands and playing in all these bands in the 80s, um, I didn't want anybody to know that I was gay. And so I would write gender, gender neutral lyrics. And what I found is that uh, that actually served me very well along the way because as a as a writer, um, it's very important for me to be able to put a song out there, put works out there that anybody can sing. Yeah. That that if a guy was moved by the lyrics and wanted to sing it, there would be no language or, or in my rhyming scheme in the in the structure, you know, in the craft of writing that would force somebody to have to change the words because I'm a real proponent of not changing the words. Um, so it, it was it was really just kind of by mistake another moment of grace. I just I didn't want anybody to know, and now I'm totally out um, everywhere I go, and especially as as Amy said, and I think John you did too in this in this movement, the New Thought movement. It is so welcoming and warm that I can go anywhere and I can take my wife with me and introduce her as my wife, yeah. and um, and talk about being out and being proud and not hiding. Um, and it's, it's so freeing. That's, yeah. that's like the best part of it all is it's like, that's that every day grateful song that I did. I'm like, yeah. you know, yes. Um, you know, so I, the first time I walked into unity church, I was there for a job. I was AV director and, um, I didn't know anything about unity. And when I walked in and I saw the gays everywhere, you know, yep. I was shocked. I was like, as if they belong here. Like the, the person who opened the door for me, the usher was a trans woman. And I had, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was even possible in a spiritual community. And, um, and wow, to be able to bring, you know, my kids and my family and for us to be who we were and, and in a place of worship, it was transformative. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Amy? I, uh, gosh, I have such an interesting uh, LGBTQ WXYZ experience in my life. Um, I would consider myself, uh, I don't want to put myself into a box, but I would, if I have to name myself something, I'd probably call myself Pan. I had my first girlfriend when I was 40, and I remember calling my mom and telling her I wanted to date a girl, and she said, you're not gay. <laughs> and so that sort of like, triggered this whole like looking into my history and and who am I and what you know and this sort of internalized homophobia that I had had I think probably my whole my whole uh 20s and 30s you know where I would have I'd sort of fall in love with women and just either experience whatever it doesn't matter my coming out story but the point is like how it works for me in my life is that I just, I just really believe that love is love. And I believe that there's no possible way that there's a God that would condemn any love. I just, it just 
so that's a big part. I mean, my, my musical community has always been gay. I think my first band that I was ever in was a lesbian band. And I was like, I'm straight, I'm straight, you know, in my twenties, <laughs> but you know, it's like birds of a feather, you know, I'm, I look around and I'm surrounded by gay people all the time. So I'm like, Oh, well, you know, these are my people. Like I feel like way more at home when I'm in, in Queerville. I mean, my current minister's gay. Um, I, I, I find that this community and this, you know, and my current minister was, was studying, was going to be a priest, you know, he was going to be a priest and had to come to terms with, you know, and so many of my ministers throughout the time of being music director and being in this, in this community and this, um, my first uh, minister in, in Charlotte, which my second that I worked for was a gay woman. And, you know, it's just a lesbian and it's just, it's so important that we exist that unity and new thought and CSL exists because people find their home with us. And uh, it's just so important. There's so many people. We just did an event at our church last week, this, this Sunday, yesterday, where we had the homeless choir here uh, sing, sing at our church. Uh, there's a homeless choir in San Diego. It's a fascinating thing that's formed up here in San Diego. And, and, Several of the members, I mean, whatever I, I guess I was calling out gay face, but were gay, and they were at the after the uh, after the service, they were just like, oh my god, I I can't believe you guys exist. Like, it is so shocking for people who yes. haven't experienced it to, like you said, Jackie, like walking yeah. in and everybody's gay, or there's a lot right. of gay folks, and it's just like, whoa, what is what is this? Yes. You know, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud to be a part of New Thought. Yes. And so, John, talk to us about what that experience, the trans, you know, moving from the evangelical world to the unity world, the new thought world. Well, it's interesting because I I told my wife uh, we were in uh, it was like a year after our son passed away. um, And I was I was in a really dark place. And and I said, if we ever make it back to church again, there's going to be three things that I want in a community. One. Well, I'll name, I'll, I won't go through all of them, but two of them were, one, there needs to be a female minister. Uh, two, the LGBTQ community has to not only just be welcomed, but accepted for who they are, loved and involved. And so when I stepped uh, into, you know, Unity Village Chapel four years ago, that's what I saw. And, yeah. um, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know if answer to prayer is, is the right word, because I don't know what prayer, <laughs> I think my definition of everything has changed over the years, but uh, I found that there. And so I, I think, um, I think that is that, that prayer that both uh, Kit and Amy said, God, show me. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. God, show me. That's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> it's so dangerous. <laughs> it, is. It, it works every time. It works every time. And I think this song is actually, in a way, it's a coming out for Tracy and I, because people have, you know, people in our old circles have watched us move, you know, more, if I use the word left, I guess is the best, best word to use. But this is like a stake in the ground. This is like a public, hey, you know, this is where we're at. And, um, you know, you have those people that do the leave comments like repent. And my response is I already did, (laughs) you know, I was wrong before. Um, so, um, it's just, to me, it's, it's when I see 
when I see young adults um, who are so afraid to come out, but then they do, and then you see their whole countenance change, they become happy, uh, they can become free, they become more themselves. I go, how is that not a God thing? Mm-hmm. Um, how is how is being closed up and um, really many sick in their bodies and full of anxiety? How is that God? You know, and um, you know, like I said, it's come pretty close to home, and I can't, I can't, um, I can't really, I don't want to out anybody, but this is this has gotten very personal for for my wife and I, and uh, uh, and we're just beginning the the journey of trying to become good allies probably failing a lot, but trying to at least. Well, and that's, that's it. That openness to say, I, you know, I might get this wrong and, and I'm going to try right. anyway, you know, and I'm going to be there and be present and be open. Um, so, you know, this week is a tremendous week in uh, Queerville, as Amy put it. Um, it is the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots and, I mean to say when Ellen and I were uh, preparing our Pride series and I was looking for someone um, who had been there and sort of reaching out to people in the New York area and I had four people tell me, you know, honey, uh, the activists of the 60s died in the 80s. And it just, you know, um, the this entire generation, you know, the impact of AIDS, um, you know, I know that I was... I was old enough in the eighties to know what was happening, that that was happening. And I had yeah. family, I have family in California and um, San Francisco. And, and so I knew that, but like to hear that like today and um, knowing that we're marking that 50th anniversary. And um, so Kit, you gave a talk yesterday and at unity of Arlington and you, and you talked about Stonewall. So let's, you know, let's be the presence for that as um this important anniversary is being marked on the 28th. Um, so the, the, the brief version of the history of that is the Stonewall Inn was a bar in Greenwich Village in, uh, in Manhattan. And of course, in the, in the 50s and 60s, um, it was still considered um, <laughs> illegal to be, to be gay. And obviously, we can't legislate who people are, but you could be arrested and jailed and lose your job and lose your life, literally, um, if, if people knew that you were gay. Um, the Stonewall Inn was a, was a bar that was, um, interestingly enough, it was owned by the mafia. And what the deal was is that um, they kind of had the, um, they used extortion to, you know, with the, uh, the proprietors of, of Stonewall to say, you know, we'll, we'll kind of look the other way and give you a place, but we're going to, you know, we're going to, as much money as we can possibly do. Otherwise, we're going to out you. We're going to out the people, your patrons. We're going to out you to your family and their jobs. Um, and then the idea was that they, you know, the, the sort of looked the other way when the proprietors were paying hush money to the cops to stop harassing them. Um, and it was just kind of this vicious circle of, of, of a lot of hiding, a lot of shame, a lot of that sort of thing. And on the very early morning hours of June 28, 1969, um, there was a raid. The cops came in to raid the Stonewall Inn, and the patrons just had said, "We're we're done. We've had enough. We've really we're we're tired of this." And um, a a small riot ensued in the bar. 
Um, it, 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 it spilled out onto the street and word got out very quickly. Of course, you know, they didn't have Twitter or Instagram or anything else in those days, but word spread immediately. And the bar was, you know, hundreds of people were soon surrounding and, you know, throwing bottles at the cops and, and, and same word, you know, just all kinds of things. And they managed to somehow get the police locked in the bar and then, um, actually set, set the place on fire. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really interesting that the amount of violence that came that had to, it's the tipping point that, that something has to break before the good can come out. Uh, fortunately, you know, the, the cops did get out of the bar. Um, but by that time there were thousands of people that were, you know, surrounding in the streets, rioting, um, and it went on for three days and, um, until things kind of, you know, finally calmed down and, and, but, but things, you know, the, the crack was, the door was open, basically. Um, and then just a year later, um, they, the first pride parade in New York City um, took place for, you know, some just out brave, courageous people that said, we're going to, we are going to stand up like every other movement that we've had that we've had throughout history is, you know, there's courageous people that are not, you know, they, they are willing to give their lives to, to make change. And uh, one of the things I talked about it at in Arlington in my talk on Sunday was this past Sunday was um, how far we've come in just 50 years, but also how far we still have to go. And you know, we we look at um, the the it was <laughs> the mixed reactions that we in the gay community had to um, President Clinton initially mm-hmm. um, saying this was going to be one of his kind of you know of his administration was he's going to get rid of this idea that it's, it's illegal and somehow whatever to be, to be gay. And what came out of that was the don't ask, don't tell policy, which was a really bad compromise for, for people in the military. Um, really bad compromise because it actually just kind of turned things into a witch hunt. That's another talk for another time. But um, we have seen that, been repealed and we saw the, you know, Defensive Marriage Act is ruled unconstitutional in 2013, which is actually when, when my wife and I got married because, um, she was in the military, 30 year career in the military. And, and, um, we could do a whole nother series on, on gays in the military. Um, and, um, just how far we've come to be able to, you know, in 2017 that it became legal in every state. To, to decide, you know, that same-sex marriage would be um, recognized, and that's a lot of that's a lot of accomplishment in a very short amount of time. Um, and I always see yeah, kind of a lot of things in the last couple of years, but it's a reminder. And I spoke of this yesterday. It's the reminder that we stand in who we are. We stand in um, the divine that we are, and recognizing the divine in everyone, and also, you know, standing up for being those great big bright lights that we are here to be in the world. Um, so that's really uh, the 50th anniversary. You know, it's this week and um, lots and lots of celebrations. Um, I, I just want to add that um, Reverend Allen, you know, um, the community of Wimberley here in Texas, um, you may or may not have heard, but we have a group here that started last year called Wimberley um, Friends and Allies of, of Lesbians and Gays and marched in the 4th of July parade last year. And there's actually going to be the first ever gay parade in Wimberley, Texas, 
on September the 21st this year. So oh. talk about some progress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there you have it. Yeah. Well, you know, last week we had a guest say that she moved her family to Texas to be in a more open and <laughs> environment. And I, I was like, chin on floor. Whoa. What? Texas? Where'd they move from? <laughs> Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, that surprised me as well. And she said, I, I went black. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know many I said, wow, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and there's, you know, it's just so important that the pride movement, you know, it's not just about a parade and party, you know, that it really was born and formed and still um, has the necessity of being a movement for, um, as a political movement for the right to be who we are and free and affirmed and the right um you know, to to marry, to be safe in the work environment, to have the same access to uh, what it means to be a citizen um, as everyone else. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's the the visibility, and I think that's you know that's the, the sticking point with with some people is you know why do you have to put it in our faces? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, we we've really stayed the cause it too long, and the parades are just the, the visibility to the visibility. To put a, a name and a face to the movement, the beginning of the movement, to uh, to get into that political realm. So yes, yeah, yeah, it's about visibility, standing up, being who we are. And you know what comes to have mind? Have you guys um, have you guys watched the show Pose? Is anybody uh, watching the show Pose? Yeah, I just started yeah, it. I just finished it. <laughs> oh my god, it's just phenomenal, yeah. and it's it's like you know I grew up in the '80s, so I wasn't aware of. I mean, I knew. I knew AIDS was happening and I knew certain things, but I, to, to see it from this perspective in this age, it's just, wow. Like we really lived through such an amazing time an amazing fight that that's been going on. And I just, I've really, really loved watching that show, even though the acting leaves a little to be desired. Right. It's really powerful, really powerful. It is. And you know, and that's, that's part of it too, is that um, the, to be able to see it like in pop culture to do be mm-hmm. have the stories be told um you know i mean the acting will get there <laughs> the, the, the level yeah. will get there but to really be able to see ourselves and our stories and our history because that's not something um that you know you're going to pick up a textbook or you're not going to have a chapter in school and, and get tested on um you know yet but we're not seeing and that. ryan murphy i guess he's he wrote he did queer as folk too right is that is that I think right? so. I think he it's the same. Those? Yes, I think yeah, yeah. So he's he's an amazing um, artist out there right now, bringing visibility and just it mainstream, is, baby. It is mainstream, and to me, what I think will happen is like kind of what you brought up, Amy, is that internalized homophobia is mm-hmm. that it will work to heal that if. You know, it's it's not just about like, you know, okay, so can I be out in my spiritual community, in my family, in my home, at my, you know, my place of employment. But um, it's really going to take that, like seeing it out, um, you know, in in the world and to see the stories validated and told and heard and, you know, repeatedly that will do that work to fix the internal, internalized stuff. I don't know what you think about that. I still, I mean, I still feel uncomfortable holding hands with my I'll call her my primary platonic partner at this time because we're not you know necessarily together together but we hold hands still and it's 
there's just still places where it's just, it's scary. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, we're not in the clear by any means of, uh, you know, of being fully accepted and fully feeling safe. I mean, I've had obscenity shouted to me, my, my ex-girlfriend and I, when we were walking, you know, you know, you're disgusting. You're going to go, you're going to go to F and hell, you know, mm-hmm. out the window. It's like, whoa, we're just holding hands. Like, how do you yeah. even know? Like we might just be friends. Like, right. Right. <laughs> so interesting. Like how much aggressive, like hatred almost mm-hmm. just, I think it's all internalized homophobia. I had an, I have an interesting story. I had an ex-boyfriend who, um, many years ago, who was a homophobe. And it was very, I couldn't be in a relationship with somebody who was homophobic. All my friends were gay. Mm-hmm. So I asked my doctor at the time, I said, why are, why are some men homophobic? And she said, well, they did a study on, on men, uh, or male rats. And they put a bunch of male rats in the cage, and basically they all start having sex with each other. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of like, you know, jail gay kind of thing. <laughs> and there's this internalized, like we're saying, like this, this fear that like deep, deep down, you know, we're all a little gay, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's this, uh, this cover-up of that, this anxious, angry cover-up of that that's just, it's devastating, you know, how it comes out sideways and, 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 and can even cause death and beatings and abuse. And it's just, you know, we're on the right track. We're just going to know as new thought people, we're on the right track. We're evolving. We're awakening. We're, we're showing that love is love. And I really appreciate John, um, you and, and, and people like you that come over from the other side and speak out because, I don't hear that enough, honestly. Like, I really don't hear that enough. And it's really, really brave of you. So, well, it's well, an integral part of the really conversation. Cool Go ahead, John. I'm, I'm noticing too. Um, just today, I found somebody on Facebook who were friends of ours from years ago, and they were missionaries in China, very evangelical, and their son is gay. They just went to their first pride parade. Um, oh, my gosh. And so I'm seeing that almost almost every month, sometimes a few times, in a, you know, oh, especially great. in like deconstruction type Facebook groups and things like that. People are really, um, you know, it's hitting close to home and they have to deal with it. They have to, uh, you know, if it's your kid, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's, you, you've got to make some decisions of where, where, how you're going to treat your child, you know, so. Yeah, I, I think it's, now what, you said the word deconstruction. Is that a thing? Is that like a is that a movement? Well, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of people in the, you know, what I would consider the evangelical or fundamentalist type churches that are going through a deconstruction of their faith. You know mm-hmm. what they've been taught all their mm-hmm. lives. They're, they, they're examining their beliefs. They're not things that coming out of what they're hearing in their churches just don't line up with what they believe. And. Um, so, you know, a lot of them are putting everything they believe on the table and, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people going through that a lot. I'm reading, I'm Googling it. <laughs> okay. We're, we're, and we're going to have to leave it there. We have come to the end of the show already. Well, this would be just, we could go on all afternoon. Thank yeah. you so much for being on Voices of Unity, yes. Amy Steinberg, Kit Holmes, and John Laux. Their music is online and on some videos, and we are so grateful you were here today. And this is Ellen Davenport and Jackie Fernandez signing off. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.